Okay, did you hear that? I did. Okay, good. So I'm going to do a moment of silence uh, so I know where to cut the tape, and then I'm just going to roll right into it, okay? And then when I ask you about your social media and website, that will be the cue to know that we're nearing the end, okay? All right. Okay, good. All right, here we go. Well, hello, everybody, and welcome to another edition of Beyond the Cover. I'm your host, John Robin. I'm joined here. Actually, I'm not joined here by my colorful co-host, Jeff Ayers. He cannot make it tonight, but that's okay. We are going to be speaking here, and I'd rather not have him. That way I can kind of have this guest to myself. Very <laughs> intriguing guy we're going to be speaking here. None other than New York Times bestselling author Mark Cameron is going to join us. He's going to be talking about his latest book, Bone Rattle, which is the latest in his Arliss Cutter series. And I want to remind all of you that all of our books are brought to you, or all of our shows are brought to you by Suspense Magazine, so visit suspensemagazine.com for more information. And also don't forget our anthology, Nothing Good Happens After Midnight, with Jeffrey Deaver, along with Linwood Barkley and Reese Bowen, Heather Graham, John Lesquois, and many, many others. So check that out, PW Star Review, Nothing Good Happens After Midnight. But let's get into it right now. Again, uh, very pleased to have Mark on the show for the first time. He's been in the magazine. We've interviewed him there. You met him at conferences. I believe BoucherCon in Long Beach was one of the first times we, uh, we met with Mark. So, Mark, your career since BoucherCon at Long Beach has really taken off. So how are you doing tonight? Yeah, great. Thanks, John. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, it's great to have you on the show here for the first time. Um, so back at that time, you, you had come out, and I'm trying to remember what the book was. Let me see. Uh, um, I forget. It was on 2014. I think it was like Time of Attack. Or state, yeah, yeah, state of one emergency. of the Jericho one, Quinn, yeah, Jericho Quinn books. Yeah, Jericho Quinn, what it was. And you were just kind of in there. And then all of a sudden, boom, you get to write some Jack Ryan series with Tom Clancy. Mm-hmm. And now you have your Arliss Cutter series, which started with Open Carry in 2019. But now you're into Bone Rattle, so it's the third book in the series. And it's out now, everybody. It came out April 27th. So when you're hearing this uh, interview, you can go buy it and uh, whatever format you want. So, Mark... Give us a little bit about Bone Rattle and what you got in here for Arliss. Yeah, so Arliss Cutter is a supervisor deputy marshal based in Alaska. He's um, from Florida, so he's a bit of a fish out of water, but he's a, an outdoorsman, and he's moved to Alaska specifically to take care of his widowed sister-in-law, who coincidentally he's had a crush on for since he was 16 years old, so there's a bit of that tension there because he's helping her take care of her kids and everything since his brother's death so he's moved in it he's living in alaska he's got a very vivacious kind of over-the-top sweetheart of a partner that uh just a very capable young cook island maori woman named lola tariki and so mm-hmm. arliss and lola in, in every book i try to get them to a different part of alaska doing a little bit of a different mm-hmm. um, mission of the marshal service for instance in open carry that was done in southeast Alaska on a, an island called Prince of Wales Island. That's actually the third largest island in the United States, but few hmm. people know much about it. Uh, it's quite remote. you got to take a, either a book. Some people don't even know Alaska's in the United States. So. Yeah, I know. Yeah, it's a they ain't going to know Prince of Wales. Right? <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, exactly. I, I used to have to tell our headquarters personnel in the Marshal Service, you know, we need four-wheel drives up here. We are not an island down by the <laughs> by Hawaii like you showed on your maps here at headquarters. Right. So, yeah, so I try to explore that Alaska becomes a character. And so mm-hmm. in Stone Cross, the book before Bone Rattle, um, Arliss and Lola were out in western Alaska on the Yukon-Kuskokwim River Delta in the small native villages out there protecting a judge, which is one of the things that 
we do in the United States Marshal Service. In Bone Rattle, they go back down to southeast Alaska um, to Juneau, which is our state capital. But yeah. Juneau is not the, – the joke in Alaska is there's only three ways to get to Juneau, by plane, by boat, or by birth canal. You yeah, it ain't car. There. You can't, can't drive, drive there. there. So, so they go down – and since that's our state capital, people who kind of have a – maybe a mistrust of government or whatever, wonder what's going on with our legislators down there. So uh, Arliss and Lola go down to help with a sequestered jury in the drug trial. And, of course, like all the Cutter books, there's murder and mayhem, and they end up helping out the locals. Yeah. What, what I love, too, I love seeing people's tweets, especially when they're like, oh, this country doesn't even know what's going on. I'm going to Alaska where they know how to run something. I'm like, dude, you do know that it's part of the United States, right? <laughs> Exactly. Yeah, we we uh, we take American money and everything. I've had people ask me that. Take American money there, yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah, and I think it was the Simpsons movie, or was funny, where you walked in and they like gave you like a thousand dollars for coming. <laughs> I think they had yeah, the it's, it's kind of like that if you live here long enough. Which but, is funny. Yeah. But th- but what you said was very true. I love that you put Alaska as a setting because Alaska is one of those settings, I guess, in the world. There, there's probably only there's not that many that it's. It, well, first of all, Alaska is very separate. I mean, it's on its own. There's really nothing. There's nothing in the United States, of course, like it. But it's very on its own. I mean, I love seeing the pictures and all the wilderness and everything that goes up there. But you have so many kinds of different indigenous people that live in Alaska. Um, can you talk a little bit about, you know, the, not just the setting, but the people? So when you're reading it, you kind of get a vibe of what it's like to actually like be in Alaska. Yeah, that's a, that's a really good point to bring up because the apart from the the state the geography the you know the end of the road personalities that live up here from the lower 48 that have come up here to kind of be left alone the the indigenous folks that live up here that have lived up here long before we ever came um there's so many different tribes if you will and so many different ethnicities the up in uh Utkiagvik, which is what we've called barrow for years but oh. it's been changed to Utkiagvik. Um, so Point Barrow is what people would think of it. That's uh, uh, in Upac. Um Up here, they sometimes refer themselves to themselves as Eskimos, and I talk about this in the book too. In Canada, that might become a, or that might be a derogatory term, but um, they refer to themselves as Inupiaq Eskimos, or in the Western Alaska, Yupik Eskimos. I tend to just refer to them as Inupiaq or Yupik, but so that's more of the. Um, the coastal riverine people uh, rely heavily on marine mammals and, and salmon and that sort of thing. I have many friends out there in western Alaska. It's such an isolated place that it makes for a wonderful setting for um, for a book to, to kind of drop my characters because as they learn about the Yupik people, then I get to teach readers about this is what it's really like living in a small village like this that's not connected by roads. You know, if if you, I mean, part of the the plot of the book before Bone Rattle, Stone Cross, is that it's during the middle of, of uh, or during freeze-up. So when the river is partially frozen, you can't get a boat out on it, but you also can't get a snow machine on it. So you can't get to this these villages except by air. And then if there's a any kind of fog or storm, which is often, then you just can't get to the villages. That's just all there is to it. So if right. if I know people that have had, you know, appendicitis attacks or whatnot, and a 18-year-old 
health attendant has done the surgery on him on the table in the high school gym, you know, or the the multi-purpose room while the doctor's on the phone or radio with her. So it's it's a very it's a place that we don't realize, even in Anchorage, but especially in the lower 48, how hardy these folks are. Yeah. And then down in the in southeast Alaska is the Clinket and Haida people, uh, among others. Um, that have totem poles and the beautiful carvings and things like that. So it's and then the interior is Athabascan, which rely on you know moose and bear and and mm-hmm. uh, interior salmon. So such different cultures. So you know the the state is so vast and the cultures are so different that I I could write a twenty book series and never hit the same type of Man. people and and type of terrain. That's, I mean, that's amazing, and and not just that because the state, the state is so large. It's yeah. funny because when you when they show Alaska on a map of the lower forty eight, you're like, oh shit, it's that big. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, it's that big. Yeah, superimposed. <laughs> it's a, uh, it's like North Dakota to to Arizona to North Carolina. Like, yeah, a, like, a Texas, like it's like it's way out there. Yeah, it's pretty pretty amazing. Now, talk a little bit about your background, because your background, of course, leads into people asking you, Mark, are you uh, writing about true stories maybe that happened in your life? <laughs> yeah, you know, so I, I started uh, in law enforcement in 1984. I was a city police officer in Texas. Pardon my voice here. <clears throat> I'm just losing it. I'm not sick. But um, they, I was a uniformed police officer, a detective. I was a mounted patrol officer, rode horses for a couple of years, and had applied with the U.S. Marshal Service. Actually, I, I wanted to get to Alaska really bad, but they wouldn't hire sta- Alaska State Troopers. Anchorage PD wouldn't hire you unless you lived here for a year already. Huh. And so I had applied with the North Slope Police Department, so the top third of Alaska, just that huge from the Brooks like Range Nome north. And... Yeah, actually north of Nome. So Oh, wow, north of top, Nome. So you're in the Arctic the Circle. Above the Arctic Circle, so that hole where the Brooks Range comes across all the way to the top is one municipality. It's called the North Slope Borough. That's oh, okay. Well, it's by what, 23 hours of sunlight coming up right 24, now? 24, yeah. I mean, yeah, yeah. It's, by by, by uh, June it'll be the sun. The sun will really be never up. goes down, right? It doesn't go down dust. until, yeah, it doesn't set until, I can't remember when, like, I mean, you're playing. You have a tea August. time, and you're like, yeah, I got a tea time at midnight. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, and it does. It's it's brutally bright up there all day long during the summer, and then it sets in October and doesn't come up till the end of January. So it's you know Man. you give and take. But so that whole top third of Alaska is the North Slope Borough, and they have the, the one police department, and the officers are stationed throughout. And so I, they would accept you. So I'd applied with them. And was on my. I was scheduled for an interview and a polygraph, and all, or actually, I had the interview, but I was scheduled for a polygraph and drug test and physical in Seattle. And then the marshals called, and so I ended up taking the position uh, with the marshal service. Started out as a in a two-person sub office in Texas, then transferred to North Idaho by the Canadian border, and finally was able to transfer to Alaska in 90. You were trying to get north as fast as always you could, weren't you? <laughs> yeah, I was always trying to get to it since I was a little boy, trying to get Man. to Alaska. And we've lived here uh, 22 years. So I, I moved up here, ran the uh, Alaska Fugitive Task Force for a couple of years and then promoted and then uh, eventually retired as chief about eight years ago. Hmm. 
So now let's get a little bit about the Arliss Cutler series, because this is the third book. Open Carry was the first, and you had Stone Cross, mm-hmm. and now Bone Rattle. So mm-hmm. now that Arliss is going through three books, what kind of surprises has he given you as he's gone through these books uh, from when you thought it was, might happen when you started? Well, it's interesting to explore because I, you know, Arliss is one of those guys that sometimes you, I wish I was as cool as him, and then other times I think, geez, I'm glad I don't have the hang-ups that poor guy does because he's, <laughs> you know, he's seen some really, really terrible things in his life that um, make him where he does not put up with a bully, like, at all, ever. His line is very, very stark, and he draws it close enough that he doesn't have to reach across very far to slap the crap out of somebody that's bullying other people. And he'll put up with whatever towards himself, but he just will not accept it. So he's constantly on the verge of getting fired or, you know, in trouble or whatnot, and except for Lola kind of tempers him. She's like his Jimmy mm-hmm. Cricket, if you will. So he's... But so exploring his his relationship with his sister-in-law Mim, that's kind of been a um, and, and these are adventure books, so I don't spend a great deal of time on it. But it's been really interesting to get to know how they feel about each other. I mean, because she ended up marrying his brother, you know, she chose her, his brother over him, and they've that's been a hardship for him because he and, and you find out in. I can't remember if you find out in Bone Rattle or the one that's that I just finished uh, called Cold Snap. It's with uh, editors now, but you find out that uh, every one of his he's been married four times, and every one of his wives is the type. She looks like they all look like men. So he's he's kind of got this torch he's been carrying for. But now he's really focused on taking care of her twin sons, so his nephews, and which coincidentally look just like my grandkids. Um, yeah. So it's been a it's been a uh, interesting dynamic watching him as this kind of badass, you know, kick butt character that goes and arrests bad guys and tracks bad guys and teaches Lola along the way because he's a, I was a I was a man tracker for the Marshal Service part of the tactical tracking unit so by putting in my experiences. I don't have. Yeah, to, you could write a nonfiction book on that. Yeah, well, it'd be fun. I, I I don't have to download a bunch of information to the reader in exposition. I can have Arliss teach Lola, and so, mm-hmm. um, and then she teaches him things as well. So that's been it's been really fun being able to slow down a little bit. I hope there's plenty of action in these books. I want them to be action. They're you know mystery crime novels, but at the same time they're a little can sit back and take a breath a bit and explore the characters maybe a little bit little bit more deeply than the Jericho Quinns. Well, I was just going to ask about Jericho Quinn because, you know, you had about 10 books in that series mm-hmm. and you finished that one off in 2019. Now, I don't know if the series is dead. You just, you know, you just took a little pause. So what was it kind of about Arliss? Uh, did you have him in mind when you decided to stop Jericho Quinn and start a new series? Or was it just a plot? Was it something? Give us a little dynamic of the switch from Jericho Quinn and into Arliss. Now, really, long story short, the cool part of Arliss is that I wrote I wrote westerns under the name Mark Henry years ago when I was still with the Marshals. Wrote a couple of ghost-written westerns for another author, and then while well, the publishers were trying me out, and then wrote a couple under my pen name Mark Henry, and uh, which remain a couple of my favorite my personal favorite books that I've ever written. But uh, my editor, or my my agent, Robin Rue, with Writer's House, called me one day and she said, you know, you really ought to 
you know, I think you can get a bigger readership if you go to thrillers. And I was, you know, with the Marshal Service. I couldn't write about the Marshal Service because of, you know, my employ my employment. And so I wrote a thriller set in Alaska. The character's name wasn't Arliss Cutter, but I'd been I'd been on an assignment to track a guy on Prince of Wales Island. This guy had chopped another man's head off with a splitting mall and fled into the woods. And so I spent oh with a team. I spent this with a team of fugitive task force guys. Um, we went down there and took us about three days tracking him through the woods and eventually found him, arrested him. And uh, but I, I spent enough time down there. I thought, man, I gotta, I gotta set a book down here. So I wrote this book, sent it off to my agent. She trotted it around New York. Nobody would buy it. Um, so I did what any good writer did, and I put that in my sock drawer. And not good writer, but dedicated writer anyway. <laughs> I put that one in my sock drawer and wrote another one. And she trotted that around New York, and I got a, you know, people passed on it. They it just wasn't what they wanted. And then I got a rejection letter from one of the, I won't say who it was, but it was one of the big big five publishers. And it was very effusive, very nice. You know, we loved your writing. We like this. We like wh- the way you turn a phrase, basically. We just don't like this book. And then they said, you need to write something over the top. You need to write a Jason Bourne, a James Bond, a Mission Impossible kind of book with your background. And then he, this particular editor ended the, and it was a page-and-a-half rejection letter, which is... That's a long one. Rejection letters are usually two lines, not for <laughs> that. So at the end of this rejection letter, he said, and anyway, who cares about Alaska? And who cares about a bunch of Alaska Native kids? We want, you know, more mainstream protagonists. And it really made me mad, and not, like, personally mad at the guy, but mad that readership would be that way. And so I went back to the drawing board and I dashed off a book about an OSI agent that was Air Force Academy grad. My son was in the Air Force Academy, had his eyes on OSI at the time. And so I met, and I speak uh, Japanese, my son speaks Mandarin, and I mean, we're martial artists. And so I, I basically just took all the coolest people I knew, made them into this one character named Jericho Quinn. Put, and I ride a, a BMW motorcycle, I put him on, you know, and made him very much over the top thinking that it would be a one-off, and Kensington bought it, and there's been 10 books. When they did well enough, a couple of them hit the Times, um, almost all of them hit the USA Today list, and they did well enough uh-huh. that I was able to go to Kensington and say, I really want to write this book about Alaska. And in the meantime, Sarah Palin had happened, and all the all the reality shows in Alaska had happened, so I guess people started caring about it. They bought the Arlington. Nice road truckers, yeah. baby. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Alaska PD. Alaska Bush people, exactly. Yeah. So uh, I was able to go back and take that first book and uh, that nobody wanted and tweak it around and steal some things out of it, and that became open carry. And about and I was I was actually in Florida researching open carry when Robin called and said that Mark Graney was uh, stepping away from the Clancy's and he had recommended me. So I'd already started the cutter, and my plan was to write a cutter one year, or like uh-huh. eight months to write a cutter, eight months to write Jericho back and forth. So I'd never really put the Jerichos to bed. And then one year to write a Clancy, because put two and books then, together yeah. and Clancy. <laughs> so, so now we're doing the, 
doing a Clancy and a back and forth with Cutter. But I did sign. I've just recently signed a contract with Kensington to do another uh, novella, a Jericho Quinn novella next year. So I'll be okay. inserting one of those. And you're still sticking with the Clancy series too? Yeah, for now. I mean, it's always okay. their onesies. And, you know, I think we signed for two last time, but this will, I'm finishing up the second one in that cool. contract now. And then we'll just see where it goes. That's all. I mean, it's a good problem to have, to have that on the horizon, but I think so. They seem to like, I think, Tom Colgan, the, the Clancy editor, is just a great guy to work with. I'm, I've been very fortunate that, you know, I hear these horror stories about authors and their agents and authors and their editors, and I've got Tom Colgan with, with uh, Berkeley Putnam for these Tom Clancy books and Gary Goldstein for my Kensington books and my agents, Robin Rue. And I mean, I'm, Gary's been my agent with Kensington for almost 18 years. And Robin's, wow. I mean, my editor and Robin's been my agent for 18 years. And I, I just, it's been a kind of a charmed, I mean, it took me 20 years to get, to get them. <laughs> we got a yeah. ton of rejection letters before then, but um, I actually got picked up by an editor from Kensington first um, that subsequently left. And I, got Gary as an editor, but they gave my stuff to Robin and she approached me, so I didn't even have to, you know, I was just very fortunate to be at the Isn't it great when they come right to you? place at the right time. Well, you know, part of it, people ask me great. what they should do as writers, and I'm a big proponent of, of uh, going to conferences, like like meeting you guys at Long Beach, yeah. and um, that's how I met Mark Graney. I mean, if I had not gone to Long Beach and met Mark in the beginning... I don't know that I would have gotten uh, the Clancy job because I, I wasn't looking for it. I didn't even know mm-hmm. it was available. He just he approached me in New Orleans and said, hey, what are you writing? How about I give you a, a blurb? And I said, gosh, that would be grand. And so mm-hmm. I sent him a PDF. Mark's and, a great guy. Oh, isn't he a good guy? I mean, yeah, I, 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 was one of, I was one of his first interviews when the first Green Man novel came out when he was just a debut. So I've, I've known Mark from the beginning. Oh, yeah, that's great. Yeah, he's, yeah, yeah. We've had some, we've had, we've had some, we've had some talks at some conferences <laughs> and on the phone. <laughs> he's had some adventures too. Yeah, I love seeing how well it's gone, and now Gray Man's going to be on Netflix, and, and that's yeah. great for him. Yeah, yeah right. and you know what? And you never know because this is a series like Arliss Cutter that I could see becoming a series on TV yeah. and a well. streaming. This is, I mean, this is perfect. The setting is great. I mean, come on. Who would not love the tagline, what's buried in Alaska stays in Alaska? <laughs> I mean, that's freaking genius. Yeah, and I that think, would be, I, be I think it would be great because there's really nothing that's like that. They've had short series before in cold weather places, mm-hmm. I think like Twin Peaks and places like that, I think even Fargo. But Alaska's mm-hmm. just a different animal that I don't think people really, again, we talk about this, didn't really realize. It's mm-hmm. just different. Yeah, it's, uh, who knows? So, we'll, we'll see. We we chat with people all the time about it, but they're, it's just hard to move off, you know, move the needle. So a puff of wind and the right star alignment, and who knows? But um, we're always chatting about it. Now, real quick, how long well, how long ago was your son uh, in the Air Force Academy? He graduated in two thousand and nine. Okay, I don't so, think because my dad. Uh, was a colonel in the Air Force, navigator, and he recruited for the academy for about 20-some oh, really? years. So I met a lot of uh, recruits that would come to our house, so I even went with him oh, on some yeah. recruiting trips to talk. Yeah, so, I, so uh, it's a little small world. A little yeah, right no, there. that's cool. That is very cool. It's an, it's an incredible yeah. institution, and we're, our son... Who was the uh, senator that approved your son? 
Uh, well, he actually got approved twice, but it was Murkowski, Senator Murkowski once, and then he stepped away for two years to go on a on a religious mission, and then he had to get uh, reapproved, and Don oh, Young, shit. the congressman, uh, you know, had to reapply, and Don Young... Yeah, I don't think people realize that either, that a senator, even though you're kind of in, the senator still has to approve your appointment to yeah. the academy. That's like the final step. Oh, yeah, um, it's, a, it's a pretty amazing... Luckily, he takes after his mother in intellect <laughs> and, and all that, because he's a... He, well, he's, he was an OS agent for a number of years, like the Air Force equivalent of NCIS, and then he just decided at 30 that he wanted to be a doctor, so he convinced Good the for him. Air Force to to pay for med school, so he's now in his ophthalmology residency in... in uh, Is he still in the Air Force? Yep, yeah, he's still... He, They let him out to go to the University of Michigan. He went to the University of Michigan. Oh, even... Oh, oh, I love your son. I'm a huge <laughs> Michigan fan oh, growing up in Ohio. Right. Oh. Oh, yeah, I bet. Yeah. <laughs> that's, what my, that's, that's funny. That's what... My, that's what uh, Tom I grew up Kogan in Columbus, said. Ohio. <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah. yeah, I put something about the, the in the last... Or the my second Clancy, I um, I have the special agent in charge of Jack Ryan's detail is a special agent named Gary Montgomery, and he's a former Michigan football player. And my my editorial comment was, we need to, ch in all seriousness, he was like, we need to change this line to that school up north. <laughs> I said, okay. <laughs> Yeah. He's definitely a Buckeyes guy. Yeah, yeah. I'm sure he's heard the whole story of, you know, the whole myth of the whole Woody Hayes myth that people used to say is he ran out of gas in Michigan and pushed his car across the state line because he wasn't going to buy gas in Michigan. And my yeah, answer was, yeah. why the hell was he even up there in the first place if he hates it so bad? Like, just stay away from it. But, That's right. But it was a good med school, so he, uh, he is. And I will say, I'm a huge Michigan fan to the point where every every week – during football season, I actually have an email back and forth with Jim Harbaugh saying, oh. you know, good luck on the game and blah, blah, blah. <laughs> yeah. And my, cause my first Ohio State-Michigan game I saw in person was the Harbaugh guarantee game where he guaranteed victory. <laughs> and they actually won that game. Um, yeah. Michigan did, which was good. And they went to the Rose Bowl and they ended up losing to Arizona State, who was yeah. coached by John Cooper. And then he ended up becoming mm -hmm. the Ohio State coach based off only that game because he beat Michigan and he couldn't do it the rest of the time. <laughs> but, yeah, so I kind of go kind of a little lineage. That's, that's kind of cool. Mm -hmm. And now I know that, and I, now I know that you're, you've been talking a lot, so I don't want to keep you much longer. So let's just, you know, the best place for everyone to find out about all of your stuff is probably markcameronbooks.com. Yeah, Mark, you get a great Mark website. Cameron Books. Yeah, markcameronbooks.com. Yeah, I do. Our author Bytes does that for me in there. They're fantastic designers. But they yeah. do Mark Graney's website as well. But, um, yeah, there. And then I'm I'm actually really crummy at social media. I, I was just going to ask, my, which one do you do most? My publicist will say, um, you need to get something on social media. So I post a picture of my grandkids on Facebook <laughs> or whatever. But, I, you know, I'm How not many a, grandkids do you have? Five. Yeah, I got five. Okay. I got one. Uh, she's turned four. So. Oh, congrats. That's great. Yeah, guys. she's a Star Wars baby. She was born on May 4th. <laughs> yeah. I tell my, I have two sons and a, and a daughter, and I, I tell my sons, just just skip acting like a dad and just be a grandpa. If you be a grandpa, it's, oh, it's your the best. kids will be happier. You'll be happier. There's no Everybody's stress. And, and the kids, all the stuff that you think is terrible they're going to grow out of that anyway you know teach them yeah. good manners and that's about it but yeah yeah so you've kind so, of seen it all before and you're like 
yeah, already know exactly. how this goes. We'll don't, just we'll just wait a little it. bit. Don't worry. When the kid's seven, it'll be all about grandpa. Right now, it's still about grandma. Yeah, yeah boy, you're wait. right about that. Just yeah, wait. So, so I just post stuff about grandkids, and I try not to be that kind of author that you know buy my book, buy my book, buy my book. So mm-hmm. I, I'd rather when people come into the obviously I want people to buy my book. Yes, but I, buy them. Yeah, but I um, when it comes to social media. I'm on Twitter at Mark Cameron or at Mark Cameron One. I'm on on uh, Instagram at Mark Cameron Books and Facebook at Mark Cameron Author. But but I generally, when people see me on Twitter, it's going to be a picture of me or a video of me in Alaska doing something Alaskan. Mm-hmm. Um, I put out book news, but I rarely um, I rarely do a whole lot of advertisement. You know, I'd rather people. I use social media for folks to get to know me. And then, right. like other people do contests, I, I have a um, sort of a passive contest. I just keep track of who's sharing, who's talking, and who's, you know, I just kind of keep a running list. And then a couple times a year I have a drawing and just kind of a thank you to folks that help me get the word out. And that's, that's really cool. the whole, and then send them a knife or something like that. How, how many newsletters do you do? Because uh, people can sign up for your newsletter on your website. Well, I you know, it's, that's something my wife and I are working out. <laughs> I'm, I'm so bad about um, putting one together that they've been sporadic. So the best way to find you it. You should put like fun fact, like here it is, the monthly fun fact of Alaska. Yeah, something like that. And yeah. I, I should you know, Did you know like that. that the Yukon Territory in Canada has more bears than people <laughs> exactly. or something like that? <laughs> exactly. I should. But I, you know, I get on Twitter and I, I kind of. Like I say, I'd, I'll take a picture. We had a really good winter of northern lights up here. And so I oh, man. videos of northern lights. And, and you have a beautiful there. shot of it on your cover, too. I've seen it yeah. once when we lived in Minnesota, and it was in the morning. And I didn't know what it was at first. I go, what the hell is all this green shit? Mm-hmm. And I go, wait a second. Because I, I delivered newspapers, and I called my wife, and I said, look outside. I think it's the northern lights. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they're just they're amazing. And I, I've seen them up in, like, far, far north. In fact, I was out. In in um, Stone Cross, there's a little piece where they're out. You know, they're in the middle of the bush and they're in this village and they're protecting a judge. Well, I had to go up all to a village called Kaktovik, which is east of what was called Barrow before Utkiagvik. So we were in Kaktovik. It was November, so it was pitch black all pretty much all day. A couple of hours of dusk in the middle of the day, and um, Kaktovik is famous because of the polar bears. Well, oh, we didn't. We didn't really didn't pay attention to that. But the the two of the attorneys wanted to go out and look at the northern lights because they were just amazing. I mean, multicolored huh. purples and reds and yeah. yellows. And we were walking around, and, and I had a little gun on. I mean, I was a deputy marshal at the time, but not a polar bear gun. And we were out just walking around in the snow at night, and it was probably I don't know, 25 below. In fact, it was so cold that. I had on a fur hat, but the other attorney, the attorney that was there, the United States attorney, assistant U.S. attorney, had one of the hotel towels wrapped around his head because he yeah, was Yeah, because your and ears would get cauliflower yeah, really fast. Exactly. So we're walking around, and this group of of Inupac, you know, locals drive up in a little pickup, and they roll down their window and they said, "You need to get in our truck, and we'll take you back to the hotel." He said, "No, no, we're fine. We'll just walk." And he said, "Nope." There's a bear down the road, and they hunt you here. This is not 
run off a bear, they think you view as food. And we said, okay, thanks. We're, we'll get in your truck. And, but the lights, that was the prettiest I've ever seen the lights. We just didn't get to watch them very long because of the polar bear. Nice. Well, I'll tell you what, Mark, man. Yeah, I'll tell you, it has been a pleasure to talk to you. Wish you nothing but the best. And congratulations on the latest book, Bone Rattle. Uh, again, everybody, it is out now. April the 27th is when the book came out, so you can get it now. Book three, Arliss Cutler series. So, hey, you take care of your voice so your grandkids can have fun with you, and we will talk with you soon. Thank you so much. All right, man. Enjoy. Bye-bye. All right, bye-bye.